What's up, guys? Welcome back to this next episode of the Your Daily Pass podcast. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. We are rolling with a conversation. We are sharing stories. We are breaking down stigmas. All the good stuff. And rocking it while doing it. Yeah, we're modest over here. So we know that you are going to enjoy this next episode. Sit back, relax. And enjoy. Yeah. Buckle up. Bye-bye. Hi everyone, my name is Delcom Heath, binge and emotional eating recovery specialist. I help ambitious women have a better relationship with food and body and I believe that no one should feel shame about their bodies. Uh, join me for your, uh, with your amazing hosts, Your Daily Pass, where we'll be chatting more about this. <laughs> Courtney, what? Just get it happening. I'm so excited. Me too, actually. Um, I'm really excited about this one because I just think, look, from somebody who has struggled with this so much, like you were laughing even before we started recording and we hadn't even told Stella this part, but you were like, Jesus, yep, she's here for you, isn't she? And I was like, oh, yes, oh, yes. And then she just showed us a book and then we got even more excited. Um, So we had to press record. We had to press record and we have to get into this episode because, Fiona, this is for all ages. This is for all ages and it doesn't matter if you're male, female, whatever else you could be. Yeah. We are here for you today. So yes. we are so, so happy to welcome Stelcombe Heath to talk about binge eating, emotional eating, and all the things. But not just that, but how to overcome them. Because I feel like this is going to be one where we're like, just talk to us, Stel, and we'll sit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, let's bring Stel in. Welcome, Stel. We are so excited to have you here. Oh my gosh, I'm just having this massive giggle just listening to the two of you in the background. You blow your minds and we haven't even talked for that long yet. Exactly, exactly. I think to kick off, Sel, I'd love to know a little bit about your personal journey because I think it was something that reading through, it was so relatable and, you know, it was kind of like, is she writing this or am I writing this? Like, is this a diary sort of thing? So can you tell us about your journey through through this? Oh my gosh, I could be here all day, but I'll try to summarize as much as I can. Um, I struggled for about 13 years very intensely with a disordered relationship with food. But if I'm really honest with myself and, you know, the work I've done with my clients and just, you know, some more soul searching, I've realized that a lot of my eating stuff started from probably the age of 12. And some of the things that I now talk about I recognize that I was even doing those little things even as a young girl, like hiding food and sneaking, you know, binging and um, on things without people seeing. And But I didn't think that that was an issue back then, you know. Um, but, you know, from the age of 12, I kind of started my first diet. I started smoking because I read in a fashion magazine that that would help me lose weight, <laughs> you know, yeah. crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> And so from a very young age, I was very conscious about my, my, my body and what it looked like. I would always stand in front of the mirror sideways to check if my belly has grown, uh, all those kind of things. And then when I started working, um, all, this, all that stuff kind of just like fell off the bandwagon. I 
like stopped eating during the day. Um, I live off coffee and cigarettes. Um, I've stopped smoking now, by the way. But like, <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a good strategy. Let's just let's just say that. Um, but yeah, so I kind of just got myself into situations where I wasn't eating at all. Um, and then I would binge eat at nights. Like, for example, my, my partner at the time, we're now married, but he realized, geez, this chicken eats. So he would cook me dinners because I'd get home really late. He'd cook me a full chicken, for example, um, you know, like massive um, cottage pies that I'd eat, like pretty much like meant for six people. I'd have half of it by myself. Um, so it, it was just like a really dis, – dis, um, yeah, kind of like a distorted way of being with food. And then I decided, well, let's be healthy. So I followed the usual eat less, run more principle, right? Uh, I literally um, started eating healthy <laughs> and I like took the run more very seriously. I started running ultra marathons. So here I was um, running ultra marathons. But the thing that really got me out the door most of the days um, to go for my training um, was the fact that I was binge eating still. So my running was a tool for me to make up for my binge eating. So, for example, I would run to the gym 8 to 12 kilometers, work out for two hours, and then some, some nights run home too. <laughs> and then the next day I'd still binge eat. <laughs> or a week or two later I'd still, you know, find myself back in that pattern. Um, and with that I decided to be more strict, cut out more food, cut out all the sugars, cut out all the carbohydrates, cut out um, dairy, you know, like you name it, I've picked on it, like, you know, most diet advice have told us. And um, and that actually aggravated my binge eating disorder. And I actually developed orthorexia, which is an obsession with being healthy. I started not wanting to eat from um, restaurants. I didn't want to eat at people's houses. I'd sneakily eat food before I got to a friend's house in case she cooked something that and it had something in that was, you know, not something on my food list. <laughs> Wow. It's a crazy, crazy way to be. So just stop me whenever you, um, you're ready to. No, it's it, 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 quite a while. All so interesting. And I think the thing and is, relatable. it's so relatable. And I know for myself, it's one of those things that you don't actually realize, you know, you're, you're saying this and you're like, it's, it's, it's crazy. And you're like, but when you're in those moments, you don't actually realize how crazy it is. And I think that's what's so scary about the whole situation is you don't realize how much so many women are in the exact same boat. And that's where it's so scary. And, you know, it's just going and going and going. And yeah. we aren't changing that chain or that destructive chain of ourselves that we keep linking together exactly. through generations. And it's like... You're saying things and I'm like, whoop, that's me, that's me. And you saying, oh, my God, that sounds crazy. I'm like, yeah, it does. But, oops, that's me. Yeah, but here I am still Am I going to learn from it? I'm going to try, but yeah. like the coffee thing. Did I just not already get here and have like a coffee? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I forgot breakfast, <laughs> I'll just have a coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's what's so interesting is how relatable it is. And I, and I know like, I mean, I remember the magazine thing, like you say, like – you'd get the, it was Dolly or Girlfriend back then. Yeah. You'd get them and on the front cover it was all these beautiful, very slim-looking women and and it was the all the cover 
you know, clickbaits were more so like how to lose this and how to get this and how to get six pack abs and how to do this and how to do that. And I think, you know, I know that we're probably not so much into magazines these days, but it's still on Instagram. It's still everywhere we look that, you know, how to achieve this and how to achieve that. It's like you physically can't do that. It doesn't take one move. You know what I mean? Like you can't just do sit-ups and think that you're not going to, you know, that you'll be able to lose weight just from your belly and have these amazing abs, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not how it <laughs> do works. Do it once and then it's, yeah, you do know, it works. Ta-da! <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what's so crazy about the whole situation is it is so relatable. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just a, just a point there, like I grew up in the 80s, so we didn't have social media really, you know, like at all. Um, but the magazines were they were a big influence because you'd like even I remember from even just like a little child like the magazines would be stacked at eye height for children so the parents would have to bend down to pick up the magazine there'd be a woman on the cover she's like standing in a bikini and the headline would be I feel so much confident now that I have lost so much weight so from that age we've taught that in order to be confident you need to be skinny or you have to fit that size pants or you know you need to stand in your bikini and um you know it it needs to be an x size and you know so we kind of just learn and that's our condition is if i am not small or if i'm not a model size then i can't be confident which is you know, and even the diet industry loves using that. They're like, you'll feel so much more confident. Um, no, <laughs> doesn't and matter. Think- and I know that I was, I starved myself to super skinny and I was still not confident. I still didn't want to show my body. Um, you know, I wanted to lose more and yeah, it's just crazy. When you become so fixated on negatively looking at your body it's never actually perfect because there's always always someone that has more muscles less fat you know more this more that more tanned more you know longer hair beautiful skin you know it's always going to be somebody and so when you become so fixated on that way of being it's so you know negative on yourself isn't it yeah yeah absolutely and you know for for a lot of um, people and it's not just women anymore it's now you know statistics showing that even young young boys ages from age to like 12 starting to obsess with their bodies and they f- don't feel like comfortable in their their own skin you know and it's just so sad that this is our society and our culture and we just seem to praise that kind of mentality yeah yes don't we just and it, the it worst just... and the worst thing for me i think is people have to hit rock bottom before they Mm -hmm. come back up. Like there's no rising to it and and just starting out right. You've got to hit rock bottom before you come back. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so as parents, do you have an idea or something that we can start doing? Like I obviously believe it starts with us, so it's, it's making sure that we, you know, even if we don't, you know, if you don't say things in front of your kids, but they're always watching you, you know, they're always yeah. going, oh, that's just mum, how mum looks at herself in the body, you know, in the mirror and, you know, all the things that she mentions. How do you feel that we can stop this change, you know, this, this make negative? The change. Yeah, make the change. <laughs> 
Well, that's exactly it. You know, even if you um, think that children are not hearing you, they are like sponges, right? They just pick up things like um, my friend and I were having a conversation the other day and her little daughter just piped up. I think she's eight or nine. She's like, oh, I'm emotionally eating. And we're like, where did you get that from? And unfortunately, it's from what they pick up from, you know, not just us, like, you know, not just parents, but also their their environment and what they hear. And um, <laughs> from, from that perspective, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but, you know, we need to stop talking about and bringing our bodies down, first of all. You know, friend compliments, you don't go, oh, well, no, put on so much weight. You know, um, some of my clients, when we start talking about why they feel that they are fat pig, I'm sorry to say, but most of my clients, that's usually what they feel like. That's what I felt like. And that's how they describe themselves. Um, you know, when we delve deep into why that was for most of them, it comes from that, um, the belief that they built from when they heard their parents say that. So they heard their mum say, oh, I'm so fat, la, 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 la. And so they started believing that from a very similar age. And no matter what they did after that, they would always see themselves as, um, you know, undesirable or, you know, whatever the case is. They just feel completely out of um, out of con connection with their own bodies and out of, um, out of sync with who we, you know, really are, which we should be, you know, like looking more towards the inside. So... I think really just being a role, a body positive role model is a great place to start for, for parents. Um, I actually wrote an article for Kidopedia about this, about, um, you know, just noticing what you say in front of others. Um, also just removing the Instagram like feeds, you know, because they see those kind of things as well. So if you've got the before and after photos in your Instagram feeds, kids, like, you know, they're not – they're not selective in what they see. They see everything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just making sure that, like, first of all, your self-talk is uplifting about your body, about other people's bodies, um, you know, starting to praise people for, you know, the way they make you feel instead of, um, you know, what they look like is also a good one, you know, like rather going with um, non physical compliments um is, is is a great way to to start the process yeah definitely definitely it's interesting you know you talk about it because you know when you see somebody you know and it only happened to me last week I was at daycare drop-off and there was a lady there and I was like wow you look amazing you've lost so much weight and then I sort of walked away going Hang on a minute. She was a beautiful person beforehand. Why do I? Why do we say that? Oh, you look amazing. I want to congratulate her on losing weight because obviously mm. that's something that she wanted to yeah, do. She's worked hard. She's for worked hard for it. It hasn't. Like we know, it's not an easy road to go down. But how can we? How can we change that wording so that mm. it's not like, oh, you look great now because you, you know what I mean? Because you've lost this weight. You know, it's it's working out those little things because you find that you don't always give those compliments yeah you walk away and think oh was that right did that come out yeah right? <laughs> exactly it, it's really hard when when you do see people who've lost weight because you want to compliment them but then how do you also make sure that people realize that you don't have to be a certain size to get a compliment and to be okay 
Yeah, it's it's such an awkward one, isn't it? Because that's our conditioning. Like uh, on a client call yesterday with one of my clients, she's um, she's been working with, with me for eight weeks and she's like, oh, her friends have noticed that she's, you know, there's something different about her. But most of the time we don't know what the difference is. So we're like, oh, they must have lost weight because if someone does well or they look radiant, it's like, oh, they must, you know, must be skinny or like, cause that's just the way I was conditioned. You know, like if you, um, if you're doing well, then you're thin. If you're struggling with something, then you, you've, you've added weight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So, um, and I agree, you know, like people, people, um, need to feel like if they've worked hard for for something i understand that there's credit due but sometimes when we praise someone for weight loss that weight loss has got nothing to do with like a diet it could be an eating disorder it could actually be um you know something an underlying illness that you don't know about so we or it could actually be encouraging them to go well oh someone's noticing that i've lost weight maybe i need to be more restrictive you know eat less so that i can get even more compliments like that exactly. <laughs> so things that we can start talking about rather is you know compliments there um you know, if, if they're wearing a beautiful dress, like, you know, compliment the dress if you wanted to make a physical um, experience. But you can also just say, oh, my gosh, like, you you just look so radiant or, you know, like, start just from – because, I mean, I'm sure, like, they probably have um, shifted their, their body language. They might be a little bit more outgoing. You look sparkly. Like, you know, what's different? <laughs> Instead of just going, oh, you know, like the obvious, you've lost weight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I, really, I really like that the you look radiant. Like that's yeah. gorgeous. I was thinking you could say, Oh, there's a glow about you, but I feel like that would yeah. be really awkward because people are like, I'm not pregnant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pregnancy glow. <laughs> yeah, nobody needs that. I would probably be like, No, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not pregnant. So you've just written a journal and you've put that together can you talk to us about that because you quickly showed Fiona and I before we jumped on and started recording and it looked (laughs) gorgeous and I think that's what we're here for it yeah we were so here for it yeah perfect so you know I realized that there's a lot of people out there who just actually have no idea where to start so usually they are tracking the their food obsessively, they're tracking the calories, they're looking at labels and, you know, that is usually what gets them into that um, real mentality. If I eat less calories, then things are going to go right on the scale or whatever the case is. But it's not that easy. We all know, and I've talked about the eat less, run more principle now a few times, it doesn't work that way, you know, or it might work once, one or two weeks. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves, you know, staring down a like face plant of a bag of chips or like a block of chocolate. And you're like, what the hell? And, and the thing is, it's because we are not just, um, those types of fixes and those types of, um, you know, tracking methods only look at the the physical things, but we are, you know, we deep than that. We are emotional beings um, and we also like spiritual beings. And one thing I've noticed is if we're just tracking food, if we just try and fix food at a food level that eat, eat less, um, then, you know, 
we're just putting a plaster on everything that is like is actually a deeper problem. Our food issues are they're below the surface, and that comes from our emotions, emotional wounds, our habits, um, and also just the underlying beliefs of ourselves. And that's why I put this food and mood journal together. Um, it's just a nice tool for you to actually rewire the tracking process. Still look at what you eat, but you don't have to vigorously track. Oh, I ate 10 grams of protein and, you know, five peanuts. Oh, my gosh, that was so bad. It's pretty much just looking at, oh, okay, I ate about 10 o'clock this morning. My hunger, oh, oh, I was extremely hungry. Look at that. I was a 9 out of 10. Jeez, maybe I should eat a little bit earlier in the day. Look at my mood, though. I was extremely sad today. Maybe that's why I was craving more um, sugar. So hopefully that's what people will get out of this because that's the type of things that um, I actually help my clients track and how we actually help them self-correct um, their eating patterns and helping them understand when to be, when to eat and what to like what to eat um, instead of going with the rigorous. Well, here's an eating plan. You just stick to this and everything will be okay. Because I mean, how many people actually really stuck to an eating plan for more than a a few days right yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely not me <laughs> and I guess it's just learning to make that connection isn't it that okay well yeah I didn't eat till 10 a.m and I was feeling really sad wonder why like what was going on for me and just making that connection because we can all go oh my god I just ate shit yesterday like I didn't eat anything healthy but then not actually attach it to my mood what was happening and all those things and I guess once you've made that connection you're a little bit more aware when you go to okay I'm having a really crap day Rotto I'm not just gonna just pack it in, sit on the lounge and just eat the pantry. And, like, what's my digestive system doing? You know, what is all that? How is that making me feel? How is that food all showing up within me and and how long is it sitting there for? Mm. What I like is there is – there's still not enough like yourself, but there is starting to be this, you know, intuitive eating and this is all starting to come, you know – about us just starting to probably listen to ourselves a little bit more. But I think we are so, so used to being told when to eat, what to eat, how many grams to eat, how many of this, how many of that, and all of the things that it is really hard just to saying, like just to stop and go, hang on a minute, do I really want this or why am I eating this? And if you're a person who is a binge eater, you go, well, if you give me free range, like there's no holding me back. Like, no, I can't have free range. I don't trust myself because we get to the point where we don't trust ourselves anymore. So we don't know how to how to just do that anymore because we are so like, wow, if you say I can eat it, I'm going to eat it, so much of it. But we know through studies that, you may have a couple of days where you eat really bad, but after that, you don't want it. You're not attracted mm-hmm. to those foods. They become, you know, you know how they make you feel. You you get over the thought of them and you're like, oh, well, they're not that actually much of a bigger deal. But when you're so used to being told exactly how to do everything, you just yeah. lose track of that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I call this food rules where we've been told exactly what to eat and it's there's so many conflicting things that we actually start fearing food. A lot of my um, and my experience was when I walked past the bakery aisle, for example, I would actually have 
severe anxiety walking past there. Am I going to get the cake? Should I get the cake? What if I get just a small piece of cake? <laughs> you know, um, what if I don't like stop at just one piece? And it's because we've been fear-mongered into um, understanding that food is bad or certain foods are bad and then we have the good foods. Um, but, you know, like the principles of emo- in, in intuitive eating, as you just mentioned, we, we start talking about taking away those labels and eating a variety of foods and allowing allowing all foods. And my clients always fall off their chairs when I say, I want you to plan to eat some of your binge foods this week. And they're like, oh, no, but I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm like, trust me. Like, let's let's bring them back because you're always fighting them let's make peace with them and then let's understand why they're really there because food food can provide comfort but if you just rip it out rip the band-aid out you're gonna you're gonna bleed again right unless you've actually nurtured what's underneath there and you've you've sorted out why that why is it serving your purpose so um yeah i think you know finding more balance and you know um children are amazing intuitive eaters actually you know, if you look at them, they come to you at the most weirdest time and go, I'm hungry. And you're like, can you just wait? Like dinner will be ready in half an hour. No, I need to eat right now. <laughs> that is their body saying like, gosh, I need food. And then when they fall, like, can you get any more into their mouths? <laughs> They're like, there's food everywhere, but not in their mouths because they fall. They've done, you know, and they go through different stages. Like they'll one one week, I mean, I don't have children myself, but like my niece and nephew, one week they love blueberries. They're absolutely um, on top of that. The next minute they're like, oh, no, I can't eat that, you know. Yes. <laughs> my, yeah. my little nephew at the moment, he loves celery. So he's like the celery is bigger than him and he's just like carrying it around going, celery, because he can't say it properly either. So children are really good examples of what intuitive eating is and how to listen to your body. But then we condition them out of it and we say, no, this you must eat breakfast at this time. And you, okay, with society, we can't just be eating all the time. But uh, we put them into the same conditioning we have: eat at this time, only eat this like many meals. you know, only eat this, don't eat sugar. Um, you know, there's children as young as three being put on diets. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. they are the ones who struggle with binge eating or sneaking food behaviors um, at a very young age. Mm, that is so true. And you're so right. They are so connected with themselves because they haven't had society tell them, but we are the ones that are sort of, we're telling them. We're the ones telling them. That's exactly right. I love that you brought up about conflicting foods because I find that really intriguing and very interesting because it is amazing when, like myself, you've been on a thousand different diets and, you know, there's there's the, the shake only diet where you mm. just have live off that or there's mm-hmm. this diet and you know one will say oh no like yeah but you, you can't eat that that's no no you know and it could be a healthy food and to me to me everybody's different and I don't think that we should say that there's a healthy food and an unhealthy food because it puts mm. too much stigma on it but when you're talking about something that's naturally grown or naturally there you kind of like how can this be that unhealthy for you you know you take an avocado some people are going to go oh nope that's so unhealthy the amount yep. of fat that's in that <laughs> rah 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 you know but then somebody else can go hang on a minute is it's okay it's it's fine for you to eat and I think that's what 
it's is where we tend just to go, well, stuff it and let's just shove our faces with all the crap in the world because we're so confused by what's healthy and not healthy and one diet says yes and the other diet says hell no. Why would you yeah. think that that's okay? Mm, yeah, I actually call that the bucket effect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. It's no, you're so, so right. The bucket effect. Like you just like, well, well. And I remember sneaking food when I was really little. Like it, it's something that when you've been in that mindset, you just do it. You know, you just yeah, fuck it and eat it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the the more we we label food, the more we actually uh, you know. And this is not just from um like a emotional perspective, but from like a survival perspective. The minute you say I can't have food like our brains don't really understand like the survival part of our brain that's responsible for urges and binge eating that part of the brain doesn't have eyes it doesn't understand um you know the the you can't have avocado because it's got these fats it's just hearing you can't have and that starts creating a bit of a scarcity mindset in the brain. Now you're saying you can't have these foods. This is so bad. So now there's like um, fear involved. And then you are also putting yourself into calorie deficits probably most of the day because you, you know, you're not wanting these foods or you're on that lifestyle shake um, program. Um, All of a sudden your survival part of your brain goes, hang on, what is actually happening here? I'm hearing I can't. Um, I can't see that there's millions and billions of food out there, but what I'm hearing is famine. And now you're cutting down your calories too. (laughs) And what's going to happen is you're going to start having the urge to like, you know, either visualize sweet things or like, you know, pastries in front of your face or just think about food all the time because your body's trying to survive. (laughs) And it creates this whole Thing, well I want that food and because food to me is how I survive so it creates more of a survival instinct when we start bringing out the can'ts and we shouldn't yes and honestly when you're told you can't have something what do you want oh you just want it all over. even more <laughs> exactly yeah you'll fight hell for leather for it won't you exactly yeah. exactly oh my gosh yeah there's so much to think about, isn't there? Yeah, there honestly is. And I love that you've been able to create a journal for the people that are stuck and it's like I can't not track what I'm eating because that scares the crap out of me. You know, like there's certain there's so many mm. people out there that are like Well and sometimes woo, you woo, don't woo. even realise, do you? Until you write it all down, you're like, Whoa. Well, yeah. that was interesting. I had six coffees today. Yeah. Or you know, mm-hmm. just to use coffee as an example. Yeah. There's so many things. Exactly. Isn't there? That's yeah. exactly right. How does that make me feel? What does it actually do to my digestive system? How does you yeah. know that coming for you know? And the to next connect day? it to your mood. I like that's the yeah. bit that I just yeah. love. Yeah. Mm, well absolutely. Enjoyed. And you know, one thing that I usually my clients will fixate on the actual binge and they're like, Oh, I messed it up. I'm done. Like this doesn't work. And I'm like, hand me your food journal. And I'm like, okay, so for seven out of um, or six out of seven days, you ate amazingly. Look at all this amazing balanced food. You ate your breakfast well. There's a, you know, you were eating throughout the day and all of a sudden you had a chocolate. Is one chocolate really the end of the world? How many more meals do you have in the rest of your life? 
Yes. Even even having two chocolates is having two chocolates in one sitting the end of the world. Does that mean that you have messed everything up? Like it doesn't. You know, if you actually we make such a big deal out of one little incident where we overeat that it's really um seems like it's that that's just the end of the world and we need to like you know we're just never going to get a grip of this and and if you're in that mentality you go well i've already screwed the show up now so what's the point and you binge eat even more and it's one of those things that i know myself i've done a lot of work around this so i'm very grateful to say that i've been able to work through it but i don't know how many times i would lay down in my bed that night and go well another day you failed because you weren't perfect another day you failed you know did you get your steps did you drink the amount of water did you get all the meals in did you mess up at all and are you no wasn't perfect oh well that's another day what a waste of a day and then you go one day one week one month one year one this one that and you know it's a night it's a spiral yeah exactly and it's a thing that you lay down every night and you go yep i failed that didn't i yeah and then again that's like well then it's well what's the point why should i even try Exactly. And I, i actually created these little um binge eating personalities um and that personality I call Wagon Wanda. She's either on the wagon or off the wagon all the time. Yes. <laughs> that is so true. That is a great one. That is so good. So any sort of really gold nugget ideas or words of wisdom that you want our listeners to sort of walk away going, okay, this is where I can go from here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I see cravings and I see binge urges or actually even following through with a binge as a, just a single, a signal that something is out of alignment. It's information and it's the symptom of something bigger. So when you find yourself out of control with food, when you find yourself feeling, well, you know, like I'm just possessed like with Um, eating food or not eating food or you know like how am I going to make up for this Um, that's an indication that something is out of alignment and an exercise I've actually done let people do is um, check how many hours out of your day do you actually spend thinking about food or your weight or your body compared to other areas of your life like your family your career and your job and if there's a massive disjoint there that means that we need to go a little bit deeper and um, just give something a bit of attention. And there's nothing wrong with you if you binge eat either. Like um, that's just the way somewhere along the line you've conditioned yourself to cope with something, but it doesn't mean that that has to be life forever. You know, there is a way out and, um, you know, emotional eating um, is also not the end of the world. You know, we, we can get past this. Um, if you let go of that black and white mentality of always trying to be perfect, that's going to give you a big jump start in that. If you're more um, aware of your emotions um, and just also just aware of how you feel in the day, checking in with yourself. I know that's difficult. That's why, you know, I created more of a journal instead of like a whole big content here, like, you know, here, go and read um, all, all the steps. 
rather just start with being more self-aware and that's going to really help you understand um, where you need to go or possibly give you just some information of, wow, I really need to work on my stress today or, you know, I really didn't understand that I have so much frustration in me, <laughs> you know, um, because that's a good starting point um, for everyone is to just slow down, take a deep breath <laughs> and just sit with yourself for a moment and um, check in. What I really love about that is the way you explain. So I, if you had said to me growing up, oh, you have a, you know, you probably have a bit of a binge eating issue here. I would have been like, what are you talking about? No. And I mean, the thing about it, most people don't actually know when another person is a binge eater because like you say, we hide food. We, you know, we hide from people. We, we sneak the food. Like it's a very like, you know, CIA, like we're all over you because mm. we will hide this stuff to the, to our death too, right? Yeah. Like we are so good at that. And so a lot of the time you don't actually realise you have a problem. But like you say, if you spend a massive portion of your day in a negative sense as well, but let's face it, it normally is, thinking about your food, your body and all of those extras that go with it, there's a very high chance that you do have Mm. something there that we need to work through and I always used to say to myself if I could spend up to 70% of my day hating on myself imagine what I could achieve if I changed my thought pattern about it if I stopped hating myself because I am using and you know by the end of the day you're pretty buggered right if I stopped using all of my energy on hating myself or having this internal fight Imagine what you could achieve. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And, um, I, you know, so, like the, the relationship with self is obviously one of the deeper layers that we work on um, through my programs. But, yeah, definitely, you know, when we start removing some of those um, even just labels that we call ourselves or, you know, just stop fighting yourself. But, Again, most of the time we don't realize that it's happening. It's this undercurrent that's become such a habit. It's like not even a, like it doesn't even register on your um, conscious level anymore. So it just continuously carries on. In yeah. The background. That's why awareness is so important. That's, That's exactly right. I love your banner behind you. I've just written down oh, what it says. You. Life is too short to feel guilty about what you ate. Oh, like also kudos for you to be able to see that. Yeah, gosh, yeah, that is so good. So our listeners listeners are going to want to know where they can find you. Where where can they find you? Okay, amazing. So um, I hang out mostly with social media on Instagram, Wholesome Lifestyle Projects, Facebook. I have a, a Facebook group called Food Freedom for Binge and Emotional Eaters. Welcome to come and join us there. My website wholesomelifestyleproject.com and I also have a podcast on most of the um, most platforms even on Audible Um, uh, it's called Beyond Overeating by Wholesome Lifestyle Project so I'd love for you to come and join me there beautiful Um, you also you're welcome to come and find my book on it's out on Amazon um, in most countries so if your country has Amazon you'll have my book Um, just look for the Food and Mood Journal it's an eight week um journey uh, i can pop the link or pass on the link as well yeah oh, definitely beautiful we'll, we'll pop all the links in the show notes that they're all there and um 
if you're if you're struggling, know that there are other people in the same shoes too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and your energy today, Stell. It has been absolutely That's, amazing. Yeah, really enjoyed oh my it. Gosh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was such a great conversation. Thanks for joining us for this episode of YDP. We hope you found comfort in listening to relatable stories from the heart. We drop a new episode every Tuesday and Friday. And if you want to keep up to date, make sure you check out our socials on Facebook and Insta.